it's an excellent product for investors who are waiting for an opportunity, who are looking to park cash, but don't necessarily know when that reinvestment point will come. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. Inflation continues to be the elephant in the room. In today's episode, portfolio managers Chris McHaney, Matt Montemoro, and your host Mark Reyes explore ways to stay invested. They also discuss the energy sector, currency markets, the dividend factor, and preferred shares. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Hello, and welcome to our BMO ETF weekly insight call with our team of experts. I'm today's host, Mark Rays, at a product for BMO Global Asset Management. I'd like to thank everyone for listening in. Once again, we really appreciate your time. We're joined today by Chris McKaney and Matt Montemiro, both portfolio managers on our ETF desk, and ready to go to answer all our questions. So thanks to both of you for joining us. Morning, Mark. Thanks for having us, Mark. Great. Well, let's get started. Uh, the first question that came in is uh, regarding some geographic positioning. Inflation continues to weigh on markets, and central banks, of course, have demonstrated their focus on reducing inflation, potentially at the expense of the economy. If you look between Europe, U.S., and Canada, using our, our broad market ETFs, is there a preferred investment or geography over the rest of 2022? Yeah, as you say, Mark, you know, each of those regions facing their own headwinds, central banks committed to reducing inflation and fighting inflation. And for the most part, that means hiking interest rates and potentially driving economies into recession or at least significant slowdown. So, you know, if we take a look at each of the three regions, again, each facing their own, you know, different headwinds um, and some with some tailwinds as well. You know, let's start, at, let's start with Europe, and that includes um, the UK. Uh, if we take a look at, you know, our broad market ETF offerings, we have ZEA, which is the MSCI EFI uh, index ETF. Uh, we also have ZDM, which is the currency hedged version of that. That's largely made up of Europe, UK, and also Japan. So, you know, including Japan in, there, in this one. Um, if you wanted solely European-focused ETFs, you'd look at ZEQ, uh, which is not a broad market index per se. It has that quality tilt to it. But, you know, as we take a look at Europe, um, we'll, we'll talk about why that maybe makes sense for that sort of exposure. Um, again, including the UK in this with Europe, certainly a lot of um, ongoing headwinds there, particularly from the energy uh, complex. Uh, we take a look at uh, Germany and, and you know essentially what's going to happen over the winter as their gas supplies are, are somewhat interrupted from Russia. Um, you know whether they want the gas from Russia or not, it seems like Russia is uh, somewhat playing games with um, the amount of gas they're willing to sell to Europe even. And so you know there's been some uh, discussion around sabotaging of the pipeline. Um, of course, that's a speculation at this point. There's other 
um, you know, concerns that Russia is bringing up from their side as to why gas can't be delivered. And so, you know, just a, a big headwind heading into the winter for that entire continent uh, in terms of, you know, whether they're going to have enough energy and then the cost of that energy. This spread to UK as well. And you're looking at double, triple, even quadruple in terms of uh, energy and heating costs uh, over the winter. We have some governments talking about potential rolling shutdowns of uh, manufacturing and other uh, businesses just in order to save some of that energy potential. And so if that really came to fruition, you know, you're really hurting GDP growth there. Um, you know, think about COVID-related lockdowns only, you know, without the COVID, just the damage to the economy uh, could be significant through the winter. Uh, we also have currencies that are, that are dropping significantly. You know, we're recording this on Wednesday morning, and we've just got news of uh, Bank of England intervening in the currency markets to prop up uh, the British pound, which is at the lowest level since about 1985 now, so multi-decade lows. Uh, and so, you know, what that means is inflation from the U.S. being imported into uh, U.K. and Europe through, you know, the cost, the higher cost of goods that are priced in U.S. dollars. So significant headwinds there in Europe. Uh, we think there could be a recession there, uh, potentially, and certainly a significant slowdown. And so, you know, I mentioned the quality exposure. You know, if you want a European exposure, we would suggest quality might be the way to go. Um, Moving over to the U.S., you know, and again with that strong U.S. dollar compounding inflation in other regions, that also is going to somewhat weaken uh, potentially those U.S. multinationals that sell their goods and services, or mostly goods, all over the world uh, because of there will essentially be reduced uh, demand for some of these goods. And so, you know, even uh, Apple recently came out um, mentioning, uh, you know, they're not increasing the production of iPhone 14 simply because of what they see as softening demand for that sort of product. And so you'll see a lot of that from other U.S.-based uh, co companies um, that have weaker demand globally because of that U.S. dollar that's so strong. Um, and then that brings us to Canada where, um, you know, probably the only major central bank that, if anything, is ahead of the Fed in terms of fighting inflation and raising interest rates. You know, the Bank of Canada, um, you know, somewhat leading earlier this year with the, the jumbo rate hikes. Uh, and so, you know, if there's one country that might be a little bit ahead of the Fed and whose currency is holding up because of it, it's Canada. Uh, of course, the energy complex has helped out Canada there as well. And so we've seen performance, uh, while negative, um, in Canada being much better than uh, than the rest of the world. And so looking forward to the rest of 2022, um, you know, we would look at that continuing. And, you know, there, there could be some short-term weakness in the energy patch. You know, we've seen WTI come down under $80 now. Um, you know, we've said before that the Canadian energy sector can be profitable at these levels, but there still could be, you know, a little bit of catch-up with the, the significant drop in the energy price. So there could be some very short-term uh, softness in that in that part of the market, but we think, you know, the longer term, uh, you know, next year or two, there's still a significant bid for, for energy and Canadian energy assets. Um, so we would think Canada uh, might outperform or might be the place to look for the rest of 2022. You know, ZCN is our broad market ETF there. Um, and if you're going to, you know, fund that overweight from somewhere, uh, we would suggest staying neutral on the U.S. Um, and so that's ZSP uh, for the S&P 500 um, and fund that uh, overweight to Canada by being underweight Europe. Again, those structural headwinds heading into the winter uh, we think are pretty significant. Um, and so, you know, 
just to get back to the, the, the last part of your question there, Mark, um, out of the three regions, we would go underweight Europe, uh, neutral on U.S. and overweight Canada if you're looking to tilt your, your geographies. Great. Thanks for that update, Chris. Certainly a lot to think about and a lot of uh, pressing concerns heading towards your year end. So hearing that play to, to Canada with ZCN certainly may, uh, may help some conversations out there. Now let's switch over to fixed income where we see the Government of Canada 10-year uh, heading higher again in terms of yields at about 330. What are the expectations for the remainder of 2022? And tie that into what that might mean for ZAG, our aggregate bond ETF. And as you as you answer that, uh, perhaps you have a different fixed income ETF uh, that you would currently recommend. Thanks. Yeah, Mark. So it's definitely been a, a volatile period for for rates, and you know the Canada 10-year popped about 20 basis points in in September alone. You know, leaving investors to wonder, you know, how much higher could it go? You know, I think a lot of people were wondering if, if we had reached a, a peak. Um, and so I think looking at most forecasts, I think they continue to show that, you know, we are nearing a peak. I think that's a, that's a positive uh, in 10-year rates, uh, but it doesn't look like we're, we're there yet. You know, I've seen forecasts range from about 340 to 375. So that means, you know, we're 20 to 45 basis points away from what, you know, economists think uh, will be a peak in 10-year in rates, at least in the near term. You know, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Canada continues to react as, you know, U.S. 5- and 10-year rates spiked over the same period. We saw them rate, uh, increase by over 75 basis points, you know, above 4% at times uh, just during September. So, you know, during that same period, it's going to be interesting looking forward. Does Canada follow suit with uh, with kind of that risk-off tone, or, or are we going to see kind of that little bit 350, 375 peak that a lot of economists uh, expect? You know, this type of rate volatility is what we have been warning about, uh, you know, as we've had these podcasts over the summer. You know, the market continues to digest every little piece of, of news, both uh, domestically and globally. Every economic release is, is digested, and, and the market is is definitely quick to react. So, you know, that vol rate volatility is definitely a concern. It's definitely something that you should keep on your radar. And uh, it's definitely something that uh, when you're looking at your fixed income returns over the short term, it's going to be one of the main um, things you want to protect yourself from. So while Zag has had a very challenging year, I think that rate volatility um, and you know, volatility in markets uh, overall, I think could bring some downside ahead. But I think that is the positive part is that the uh, you know I think we are getting close to you know peak rates here, which could lead to some upside. You know the market's continuing to oscillate between risk on and risk off. So you know I do think that there is going to be um, some volatility in SAG returns, just given that kind of seven to eight year duration, you're going to see some of that in terms of performance. Uh, that being said, I think as we are nearing that, hopefully that peak of 10-year rates, you know, I think that should provide some upside looking forward. You know, in this type of market, if you can deal with some of that short-term volatility, ZAG is very well positioned because uh, it provides access to that entire Canadian universe across the curve, across the 
credit spectrum. You know, it keeps you invested during every market turn, and I think that gives you access across the curve without having you, you know, pick and, pick and choose where you want to be and make an outright call on rates, which, you know, it's, it's extremely difficult in any market, not to mention kind of an unprecedented volatile market that we're currently in. So that's the one benefit of Zag as the core of your portfolio is that it allows you to remain invested and it doesn't require you to necessarily look to time the market. Um, for me, looking outside of just the core and outside of Zag, you know, I still have a preference to the short term. I still prefer short term or short duration solutions right now in the fixed income space. You know, we're seeing an inverted yield curve, meaning that you can reduce your duration risk while taking advantage of over 4% yields. You know, higher yield, lower volatility from a rate perspective. I think that's a nice trade right now, and in my opinion, that's something that I would look to uh, shorten my duration, so complement that core ZAG uh, position uh, with a couple of the uh, short-term ETFs. Um, from there, I also look at credit, and I, I continue to, to be bullish on credit, even though we've seen spreads widen in September. You know, they've given back some of the gains that we had in September, or throughout the summer. Uh, I still favor credit if I look historically, we're, we're still quite a bit wider than five and 10 year averages. So I think as some of the volatility in the market subsides, I think over the medium term, we're going to see uh, credit spreads come in. And that's why I think uh, looking at credit now could be a good buying opportunity. So, you know, for an ETF solution, I look at, I, I'm going to name a couple that I think really suit the market. You know, ZST is that ultra short term solution. ZCS and ZQB are going to provide you that more core um, short term uh, corporate solution, and then we look at ZCDB, which gives you uh, a discount flavor, which is a tax-efficient solution uh, for investors who are looking to, to make a, a switch and do it in a taxable account. So all options I would look right now, I think they're all excellent complements uh, to that core portfolio, and I think over the short and midterm, I think there's upside in, in all four of those. Great. Thanks for that update, Matt. And understood on the comments in terms of thinking a little defensively right now, we're certainly seeing that theme in the market. Uh, we're, we're seeing that with flows as well. So I want to switch over to a factor conversation uh, where the dividend factor continues to outperform. Uh, advisors have been asking, when you look at the portfolios for ZDV, our Canadian dividend ETF, or ZDY, our U.S. dividend ETF, when you talk about that outperformance, is it a broad reflection of the factor exposure or are there certain holdings within that selection process uh, that are really driving outperformance? Thanks. Sure, Mark. We've definitely been getting lots of questions on the dividend suite here and the dividend factor, as you say, continuing to outperform in 2022. Um, in terms of what's leading that outperformance, I, I think there's a little bit of each um, of those things going on um, that, that, you, that you've asked about, and it depends on which, uh, which of these ETFs we're looking at. If we start in Canada with ZDV relative to ZCN, um, you know, here in 2022, we're about a, a 6% outperformance. That's an approximate outperformance year-to-date uh, from the dividend factor relative to the broad market. And in the, in the somewhat concentrated Canadian market, it does come down to some degree uh, on the stocks we own, but also the ones we don't own. You know, for example, there's no IT exposure in this fund, 
Um, and with something like Shopify down about 80% year-to-date, you know, not owning that stock has actually been a good uh, a beneficiary for ZDV. So there's, to some degree, there is um, a story about what we don't own, but also what we do own, um, you know, overweight in the telecoms and the staples area. Um, telecoms certainly have sold off, but not to the same degree as we've seen other areas of the market. And so being overweight telecoms has been a nice defensive exposure there. Um, in terms of the staples that we own, Saputo and Loblaws, so think about the groceries, the grocers and the, and the retailers, um, you know, that's really been uh, a, an addition to performance there is that's, you know, the one sector that, let's call it somewhat recession-proof, um, although costs are going up for groceries, you know, people still have to eat, of course. Um, so that's one sector that's, that's done well uh, in terms of, you know, providing that dividend exposure here in Canada. If we look at the U.S. and ZDY relative to the S&P 500 or ZSP, you know, really what we're seeing down south is, you know, this portfolio, ZDY, is diversified across sectors. You know, the dividend factor still tilts you in certain directions, but there is a significant amount of, um, you know, varying sector exposures within ZDY. And so what you're seeing there is across all sectors or most sectors, um, you know, the stocks we own within those sectors are what's driving that outperformance. And I should mention as well, uh, in, in 2022, the ZDY, that dividend outperformance relative to ZSP is closer to about 9%. So it's an even greater effect uh, in the U.S. in terms of that outperformance relative to the broad market. But again, going back to what I was saying, it's not about the sectors we own or don't own because in ZDY we are exposed to most of those sectors. Um, it's really about the companies within those sectors. So again, like things like healthcare, um, communication services, IT, these are all sectors we have significant exposure to within ZDY, but the names we own within there are just working uh, that much better. Um, so think about within the IT sector, you know, having exposure to IBM, which is only down 5% year to date, versus having exposure to NVIDIA, which is down 50%, for example. So, you know, having that dividend um, tilt directs you to those companies that are cash generative companies. So again, thinking about IBM pays a decent dividend, very cash generative business, even though there's not a huge amount of growth prospects for that sort of company. Um, you know, when inflation rears its head, um, we've, we've said, you know, more than once on this podcast that cash is king during that inflationary environment. And so those companies um, that have that cash flow from their operations that can fund those dividend payments and grow those dividends over time tend to be the ones that uh, will outperform during that sort of inflationary environment. So again, a company like IBM uh, being rewarded much more so than some, something like NVIDIA uh, that relies a lot more on the growth element um, and then those future cash flows which at a higher discount rate um, have that lower present value and therefore a lower uh, multiple on, on the stock and a lower current price on the stock. So overall, um, dividends continuing to outperform, as you say, um, as long as inflation is a theme, and, you know, that could be a theme even if it moves back to 4 or 5% and stays there, um, it could be a theme that's with us for a while. And so that dividend factor really helps to uh, uh, to fight against that inf those inflationary pressures. Great. Thanks for that update, Chris. Appreciate that. Certainly a lot of questions coming in on dividend outperformance, so it's so nice to see and in this challenging market. Join leading industry experts in person as they provide institutional ideas for a recession or recovery at the BMO ETF Forum, taking place September 28 to October 13, with two-hour events in Burlington, 
Vancouver, Montreal, and Richmond Hill, the forum will feature face-to-face networking opportunities for advisors, as well as trade ideas for income and equities. Space is limited. Register now at BMOETFsForum.com. Now, another area where we're seeing a lot of flows is uh, around cash and cash alternatives. Certainly a lot of articles on that lately as well. Advisors are are considering, you know, cash ETFs and, and other forms of shorter term ETFs. But can you describe the costs and benefits of using an ultra short term bond ETF such as our ZSD? You know, it's very common to see cash-like ETFs uh, see inflows in risk-off environments as investors look to sit on the sidelines and wait and see, uh, you know, what's what happens next. September was no different. You know, in this month alone, we saw over 300 million of inflows into ZST, our Canadian ultra short-term bond ETF, and 125 million into ZUS, our US ultra short-term bond ETF. As investors continually contemplated you know, what's next? You know, it's very common during these types of environments uh, that retail and institutional investors alike will use these cash-like products uh, to, to sit on the sidelines and wait for their next opportunity or wait till volatility subsides and they're, and they're ready to, to kind of invest back in. So we see ZST as being the choice for Canadian cash-like exposure versus other alternatives like GICs or HISA products uh, because it offers investors an attractive yield. Right now, both are over 4%. Better protection against rising rates significant intraday liquidity, and there's no lockup period. So, you know, those four factors are key when investors are looking at cash-like products because you want to make sure that you're nimble, you want to make sure that you're optimizing your yield, but you're also able to get liquidity and, and kind of adjust as the market moves. You know, ZST and ZUS both buy investment-grade corporate bonds and T-bills that mature in one year or less. So as interest rates move up, bonds are purchased at a lower price, you know, with higher yields. Uh, And since these bonds are held to maturity, they are ultimately mature at par value. So you generally right now, when, when bonds are generally priced at a discount, you're seeing the prices move up toward par uh, as you move closer to maturity. You know, this means that in a rising rate environment, your yield will naturally increase along with rates. And it's this, you know, it's not an explicit floating structure, but because of the short, ultra short term, the ultra short-term maturity and duration of the product, it is a floating-like structure that is much more beneficial in an aggressive, uh, in a period of aggressively rising rates that we're seeing right now. So the the ETF itself is reacting to the current market, and we're buying bonds um, that prices have moved. So therefore, you're taking advantage of yield in real time, much more so than you would in a in a product like a GIC that would lock you into a fixed rate. And regardless of what happened in the market over that next period, you're locked in for that, that fixed rate. ZST will adapt and, and adjust and allow you to take advantage of rates if they continue to go up. So right now, ZST and ZUS are yielding over 4%, uh, have durations of about just under half a year, they have significant intraday liquidity, and you can see that by both the institutional and retail flows that we just saw in September alone. We see um, 
investors come in and out of this product very, very regularly. So, you know, it's it's an excellent product for investors who are waiting for an opportunity, who are looking to park cash, but don't necessarily know when that reinvestment point will come. Uh, and finally, it allows investors to earn a strong yield, again, 4%, while remaining nimble in uncertain times. And I think that's very, very key for a kind of defensive-like position. So unless you want to lock your, your fixed income away, this, this allows you that that flexibility while not giving up yield. And I think, you know, having both of those factors uh, in the cash portion or the defensive portion of your fixed income uh, portfolio are key in the volatile markets that we're seeing right now. Great. Thanks for that walkthrough, Matt. Does market volatility have you wondering where to go to ride out the storm? Not all cash equivalents are created equal, and BMO's money market and ultra-short-term bond ETFs offer several high-quality options to park client cash. To learn more, visit bmoetfs.ca and search for tickers ZMMK, ZST, and ZUS, or read our latest product insights. Well, we have one more question that's come in from advisors this week. Uh, looking for an update on preferred share market using our ZPR, and as you as you respond, uh, your thoughts on a potential entry point for ZPR. Thanks. So. You know, as with all risk assets, uh, you know, after a strong comeback through the summer, September's risk-off tone has really, really hurt performance. You know, we saw a sell-off in uh, prefs. We saw you know, a sell-off mainly due to credit spread widening. We saw the same thing in bonds, uh, just prefs were a little bit more uh, volatile. So you saw a little bit more uh, of a negative return uh, for September. So while, you know, Prefs generally are in in a rate rising environment are are good for prefs. You know this positive because they're linked to the five year. This was offset by the negative impact of widening credit spreads. So as I, I mentioned in, in the first answer, you know I overall over the 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 short to midterm, I do think there is opportunity for credit spreads to come in. So I do think that there's opportunity in prefs here. So looking forward, I think that this could be a buying opportunity for investors. Right now, you're getting well over a six percent yield for for ZPR. Many issues right now are priced at a steep discount, and and there's quite a bit of upside actually. There's quite a bit of tailwinds uh, in the portfolio. So, for example, 32% of the portfolio uh, is in banks, and these issues are likely to be redeemed at par. So right now they're trading at a steep discount. You know, over the next three or four years, as banks uh, issue LRCNs and they redeem prefs, there there's going to be upward price um, mobility from the steep discount toward par as these issues are called. So you know, looking longer term, you know, three to four years out, you know, those LRCN issuance is going to put some uh, some some tailwinds and going to provide some upside. For, for your longer term uh, returns and could be an excellent entry point for investors as, as you kind of take advantage of that. You know, PREFs continue to, to provide a uh, excellent tax efficient yield, the excellent portfolio diversification if you're looking at from a fixed income uh, portfolio context and there's capital gain potential because you're t you, you are really looking at buying in at a potential uh, low point here. 
You know, with that being said, I'd also like to mention ZBI here. You know, I think they're they're investors that that have used press for a long time and and could could potentially look to increase the quality of of uh, some of that exposure. And you know, as I mentioned uh, before, with with 32% of the ZPR portfolio likely to be redeemed in the next three or four years, ZBI should be able to take advantage of that as well. So this targets these bank issued preferred shares. Uh, it also pairs it with a portfolio of LRCNs, which are going to be replacing those prefs and traditional bonds. So it provides a quality credit um, within your portfolio. It's at over 5.8% yield right now and at only a two and a half year duration. So I think that's an, also an excellent way to play the pref market if you want to be a little bit more conservative than the overall pref market. But I think both in ZPR and ZBI, I think both provide uh, quite the opportunity right now to get into a market, take advantage of a very attractive yield uh, and potentially um, buy by low for for an asset class that I think has a lot of tailwinds moving over the medium and long term. Great. Thanks for that update, Matt. Appreciate it. Certainly some questions coming in on preferred shares and trying to determine when it might be a good point to look at that a little more closely. So that's all the questions that have come in for this week. So I want to thank everyone for listening in. Uh, Once again, we really appreciate your time. Thanks as well to both Chris and Matt. Uh, Some great answers covering a lot of areas in the market and with a lot going on out there. uh, We certainly appreciate the update. So with that, I just want to thank everyone one last time and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you to Mark Reyes, Chris McHaney, and Matt Montemoro for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO S&P TSX Capped Composite Index ETF, ticker ZCN, which invests in some of the largest and most liquid Canadian equities. Our experts also discussed attractive entry points into the preferred shares market. Look for tickers ZBI and ZPR. For more information about the other ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. (music) 